all CEOs, me included, we don't actually know what we're doing. They're all sharks, so all you got to do, though, is no shark bait. I don't think we've ever talked about this before. <laughs> we can capture all of the wallet share. First place you start is with the product. That's just the first nut. This is the Capital Stack. Hey, everybody, this is David Paul, the host of the Capital Stack podcast, where I talk to founders, operators, and investors about all things value creation and startups. Today, I am speaking to the dynamic and beautiful Maya Watson of Manual. Maya has got a quite an eclectic background uh, working for um, the Obama administration. She's also worked um, as a Director of Marketing and Social Media for Harpo Productions, which is Oprah Winfrey's company. Um, she's been in the throes of media companies such as Netflix and also the head of the global marketing of Clubhouse. Do you remember when that blew up? That was uh, pretty nuts. That was like 48 hours, 4 trillion users, the internet broke. And now you're doing manual. Maya, how are you? Hi, I'm so good. I love it. The 48 hours of Clubhouse. <laughs> Man, Clubhouse doesn't get, that was such a weird, wild and wonderful experience. Um, but yeah, those, those good old Clubhouse days. Did so, they make you, did they make you take like yellow jackets to like stay up at night? <laughs> <laughs> it was a 24 seven job. You know why? Cause it's like you would work all day and then, you know, as a, somebody who works for a company, you're supposed to also be using the product. Well, our product was live audio. So then it's like, okay, I guess I'm going into rooms. <laughs> and then you're Clubhouse till two o'clock in the morning. And then you're waking up in meetings about club. Like it never stopped. <laughs> <laughs> you're just constantly in and around Clubhouse. Constantly in it. But like, I met so many cool people there. The people at Clubhouse are the best people. So much love to Paul and Rohan, like the best people. So what was like, I mean, you had like the momentum had to keep going, right? Like that was like one of those things that it was literally just like shot out of lightning. Was it the exclusivity that, that worked? That w was the big thing. Like you had to be invited. Was it like a perfect storm with that and COVID? Like, tell me about like that, that like, era, that, that, that whole, like, you know, thing that, that blew up. I mean, it was, it was the intersection of a lot of things. So I think it was the intersection of definitely COVID, right. Where, None of us, when we think back, it's so weird to look back on COVID. Like that happened right. where we weren't leaving our houses and we were like bleaching our groceries. Like it's like right. a very odd time. So everybody was Everyone's on. yelling at each other. <laughs> Everyone's yelling at each other. We don't know what's going on. So the idea that there's this place you could go to be like, oh my God, like familiar voices, safe voices. Like, oh, I'm not alone. What are you doing? Oh my God, I'm cooking dinner. That was super special. Mm -hmm. I think the other idea of like intimacy um, and social is a trend, right? So we're seeing so many trends of people going into like closed communities and clubhouse, a lot of clubhouse happened behind club during that time happened behind closed doors. Um, I think you also had this like rise in audio as a really popular platform. Like there were so many things converging on that one moment where I don't think they even knew what they had on their They didn't hand. even know. Yeah. This was yeah, like, yeah. It's like, it happened. And when something is like that big, it's not you. You know what I mean? There's something, there's bigger forces at play. So I think between that and then, 
you know, you had every major social platform. Like, let's not forget Twitter's like, we're going to fucking, oh, can I curse? <laughs> yeah, totally. Okay. <laughs> 100%. Um, you know, that, you, that's all my, that's my whole audience. Okay, like, great. Like, love it. You had Twitter being like, we're coming for you. Zuck, Zuck, Mark Zuckerberg announced uh, Facebook room, audio rooms on Clubhouse. <laughs> right? There was like all of these things and like Slack was doing audio and LinkedIn is doing audio and Reddit is doing audio. So then it was just like the audio revolution. Like it was, it was just so much. It was like, what's happening? And for all of us that were in it, um, it was like a, it was a tornado. It was a cyclone of like so much stuff, but it's like those experiences are the experiences where you just learn, like you just learn so much. I feel like I got a PhD at Clubhouse and like everything all at once. Um, for me personally, I, I burnt out, not just because of Clubhouse, but because yeah. just life like right. caught up with me. And then the company was going in a different direction, you know, and, and decided not to really be a creator's platform and be more of like a, um, like small rooms, community-based platform. And that's not necessarily my expertise. So it was like, okay, I think it's time for me to, they used to say in the clubhouse rooms, leave quietly. Um, <laughs> so I left quietly. Yeah. And I just, I mean, you know, two of my co-founders at Manual, we were all at clubhouse. So like, oh, okay. it was a very rich experience in terms of one of the people that we worked with, like Paul um, recruited like a killer team. Everybody was amazing. And then the people you met on the platform, like I just received a book in the mail today from a woman who was on Clubhouse and challenged Adam Grant on stage and was like, you're wrong and da, da, da. He was like, yo, you are amazing. He helped get her a book deal. And now her book is was just delivered to my house. And Adam Grant is the quote on the book. Like Whoa. there was so much special stuff that happened. Her name Whoa. is Hamilton, by the way. But Why would somebody attack Adam Grant? He's so like... <laughs> It's challenging. There's so many other people I'd rather attack. She was, she was challenging his views on something. And he was like, yeah. it was, she was, I mean, she's one, she's a genius. She's amazing. It's one of those things where she's a black woman in Houston. She doesn't have the same Got platform it. or access. Right. And so like Clubhouse was such a democratizer in that way of voices and knowledge and wisdom. So it's, anyways, I loved it. it it's a special place in my heart. I'm so grateful for the experience. Um, and yeah, it gave me the bug to want to build. So that's yeah, so that's doing. a great segue into manual, yes. All right? So yeah. let's 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 talk about manual. Yeah, manual. I mean, manual is this. It's a social experiment a little bit. It's this idea and question hypothesis around what if everybody came with a manual, um, which is where the the name comes from. This idea that we're all different, we're designed different. I, I I have different conditions for success than you do, and so what if there was a place where we could all put our information and it just was easy to easily accessible, easy to understand, and just becomes a behavior where we start exchanging manuals. It's like, oh, cool, this is how you like to work. This is how I like to work, and we're able to find common ground and it's dynamic. It's got you know AI integrated, all of this. So. You know, we're hoping to be this company that uh, is part of this new evolution of the future of work where, you know, we all get a lot more choice in how we want to work and the work that we want to do. And it's more fluid. It's more flexible. There's more freedom in it. And with that, it's like we're going to need tools that help keep us together. And so we're hoping manual can be one of those things. 
So when we spoke previously, yeah. you talked about the genesis of Manual and how it budded from your experience at Netflix. Yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to for you to retell that story. Yeah, no, of course. So I've had a really fun career. I spent the first 10 years of my career working for Oprah Winfrey, which, you know, I grew up there in my twenties and, you know, working with her, you just learn it's a masterclass on how to be a good person and also how to deeply care for other people. And so, um, her mission is always, has always been to help people live the highest, fullest expression of themselves. And I just, I didn't even realize how much that was getting into me when I was there. And so when I left there, I went to Netflix. Netflix is, I describe where I became like a corporate athlete. It was such a beautiful place where they had such a clear culture, clear mission, and also clarity around the kind of people they wanted um, in the culture. So their culture memo is, is so famous for saying, if you're not this person, please don't apply. Like we actually don't want you, <laughs> please don't come. <laughs> and, um, so when I got to Netflix is where I really started to like build my chops around leadership. I grew a team, um, really quickly there had a, a, a massive organization and I came up with a leadership philosophy, which is you can't lead what you don't understand. And your job as a leader is to know your people so well that one, you can support them. They feel safe with you. Uh, you understand who they are and what energizes them, their gifts, all that stuff. So you can properly deploy them into their flow and, 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 and their passions and all of that. And so I used to keep manuals on my team. I didn't call them manuals at the time, but I would make everybody take all these assessments and ask them a thousand questions about their style, who they are. Are you a middle child? What's the relationship like with your parents? Like everything that I could, I could possibly understand. And I would keep that um, present when I'm meeting with people and thinking about the team because everybody's different. Everybody requires different support. And so, you know, fast forward years later, um, you know, we were, I, I thought I was going to build a coaching company because I feel like the, we have a deficit of good people leaders in the workplace and it's not anybody's fault, but L and D is just not great at preparing people to be good people leaders. And so, if we wanted to improve the state of the workplace, you, you should start with the leaders and make sure that you have good leaders. And so as we were thinking about that, it's like, that doesn't feel scalable. How are we going to teach all the leaders to be more emotionally intelligent leaders? That'll take us three lifetimes. Instead, what if we created a tool and a platform manuals that would help people better articulate who they are and just make it like a normalized behavior. So we started to see these work with me guides, how to work with me documents that people were sharing uh, during the pandemic and, and saw that there was a product there. You know, I, I remember you specifically like using a reference of you feeling disenfranchised about being, about being like not getting a promotion or, yeah. or something around a comp and you approaching your, um, employer and, and talking about it, or it was a mentor. I don't know if he was a direct reporter or not. And he was like, dude, we don't have time to think about <laughs> yes. you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no one's coming to save you moment. Yeah. I mean, when I was at Netflix, I love that place. Like right. it, it was so special for me. I learned so much. And from the time I walked in, I was told you're amazing. We want to get you to the next level of leadership. Right. It's like, okay, cool. I'm just doing my thing. And you, you know, you keep waiting and it's like, 
is now the right time? Is it's now? Well, you know, lots, lots going on, you know, just give us a minute. And so you check back in three to six months. Well, you know, we're working on a plan, just, you know, sit tight or, mm-hmm. you know, actually we need to see more of this from you. Like it was like the ball kept changing and I was getting super frustrated about it. I asked them for, a co- I was like, if I'm not ready, will you at least give me a coach? They're like, no, you have to pay for a coach. I was like, wait a minute, yeah. <laughs> you know, what's going on? And so I, I ran into a mentor. He was a VP and it was on a day where he very much could tell that I was not happy. He's like, what's going on? You seem off. And I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking pissed. Like, I feel like the goalpost keeps moving. They're not coming up with the plan for me. I keep waiting for them to do something. And I just, I don't know how much longer I can keep waiting. And I'll literally never forget it. We were on the 14th floor in this specific building in Netflix. And he was like, he looked at me and he started to laugh. And he was like, can I tell you something? Can I be like brutally honest with you? And I'm like, of course, please. Like, I want the, please tell me the truth. What do I need to do? And he was like, my, nobody's thinking about you. (laughs) (laughs) He said, nobody cares. Do you know how much we have going on every day? He's like, I have an organization of 200 people. Do you think I'm going at home thinking about the, the career plan for all of these people? And I know for some people, they're like, well, that's what leaders should do. But it was such an honest thing. He's like, no one's coming to save you. He's like, the favorite, my favorite people on my team, tell me what their plan is. Here's where I'm going. Here's what I want to do. Here's what needs to happen. I've thought about how it can can play out. It never occurred to me to do that because I kept waiting for kind of like sitting back, waiting for somebody to do something. And that I, I, I swear to you, that moment set me free where I was like, that makes sense. That must have felt so good. It felt, I mean, it, it was painful because it was like, I, I, I wish people were thinking about but it's me. it's not you. It's like, it's a, it's a systemic problem. It's, it's systemic not a Maya problem. And so then you start to inquire, why did I have that expectation? Where did that come from? Who told me that? How long, like, what else have I missed out on because I've been waiting for somebody else to do something for me? Like, that's actually the definition of entitlement to be like, no, no, no. I'm just going to wait for you to tell me what you're like. I need you to see me properly and tell me what you want to do with me. The truth is nobody understands you better than you. So even Mm -hmm. that philosophy around you can't lead what you don't understand. It's like the first person you have to understand is yourself. The most important person you'll ever lead is you. So if you want to figure out your next steps and how you're going to grow and all of that, it's like, you really do. You're the master of your fate, captain of your ship. You know what I mean? And so manual is this platform where we help people understand themselves better. Like, do you know your conditions for success? Do you know what energizes you? Do you know what your best days feel like? Do you know what you want in a great leader? So you can also set those expectations when you walk in the door and have different situations. And so, yeah, that was a, that was definitely a transformative moment. Yeah. Well, and it it also kind of speaks to like, you feel like the goalposts are moving that there's, like that there's this, like I hear that a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel that people think that it's just a malicious carrot dangling where I don't know if that's super intentional as it's just it's the it's the state of play for um yeah. for like every company except for Zappos. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> who's like grain that's so, that that's so specific. Zappos yeah. Zappos is a great company. I mean I've been studying the history of the workplace for now the last two and a half years because I'm fascinated by it. Like, how did we get here? Why do we think all these things are going to happen? And the truth is the modern workplace as we know it 
was designed in the industrial revolution. And it was not designed to like have people in expression, to help you grow, to help you develop. It's about maximum efficiency for maximum output and production. That's what the workplace is about. And so anything beyond that is just kind of been added on and addendums and band-aids to like symptoms, but like the root cause is like the workplace as we know it today is not really designed to support your growth. One, there's like limitations in terms of just pure spaces for you to grow. Two, in terms of how we teach L&D and all of that, it's, you know, through theory and through training, which like you only retain five to 10% of that kind of stuff. We don't train leaders well at all to manage people, right? So it's like, if you start to pull all the pieces together, it's like, of course it's not working. Of course I'm frustrated. Of course I feel confined or I feel like I'm stuck or I feel like I'm lost. It's because we've outgrown it, right? So we're more aware and conscious as people. We've been to therapy. We talk about our feelings. We talk about our needs. We talk about our wants, our desires, the workplace wasn't designed to hear about that. No. So that's why they're like, please don't, don't, right. don't talk about that. <laughs> you know? no, 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 I don't, I don't care about your political views. I don't want to know about your religion. Like they don't, it's not designed to hold that today. The future of work I think will be, it'll be different, but we're just in the middle of the mess. We're in the middle of things changing. And so in the meantime, how do we continue to sustain ourselves and have a good experience, you know? Yeah. And it's being viewed upon as like this individualism versus collectivism and this, like this fight between, you know, uh, entitlement and, um, you know, like, uh, it's just like the, 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 you're the Gen Z, you know, and it's like, you know, it's, it's not about the mission anymore. It's more about the employee. And then it's like, like, I don't necessarily know if that's true as much as, 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 as a total cultural shift. Yeah. I think, I think you're right in the sense that we actually all want the same thing. Right. Like nobody joins a company not wanting it to be successful. Well, yeah. And what companies want is they want productive employees. They want employees who are going to produce and move their bottom line forward. The way to do that is to it's for me to be in full expression. But like the way the system of work is not designed for me to be in full expression. So it's like we all want the same thing. The way we're approaching it is like just radically wrong on both sides. And we just have to take a minute understand where we are. We're in the biggest transition the workplace has ever seen, like literally ever seen. Mm -hmm. And so we need to be patient. We also need to be conscious. Like there's great companies I've been following like Atlassian, right? What they're doing, which is really like committed to distributed work. They're like, this is just the future. So instead of resisting it, can we just start to focus on it and figure out how do we get there? And so, um, I mean, Gen Z in particular is super interesting. There's this um, there's another shift that's happening for millennials. I'm a millennial. I'm like an, I guess, an older millennial. My my daughter calls me a millennial boomer, which I think is like, <laughs> like offensive. But yeah, that's um, uh, that's exactly what I would classify myself as. Is a millennial boomer. Is we kind of went down this path, right? Like we were raised to be like, you can be anything, you know, go follow your heart, follow your dreams. We did that. We climbed the ladder. We got to the place. And then it's like, one, I'm not as happy as I thought I would be. Two, I'm still not making enough money to really live well. So like I can barely pay my mortgage if I have a mortgage. I still have student loan debt, right? Like all of these promises, we got to this place and we're just kind of like, wait, this isn't it. So we're looking for more meaning where Gen Z's 
looking at millennials being like, you guys killed yourself in the workplace. Like you worked all the time, did all this stuff. You still didn't have what you want. So why would I subscribe to that? No, I'm setting boundaries now. And so that's what they're coming in with. And, you know, there's 63 million of them coming. So we, we do have to be mindful of their needs and their style. And so how do you, how do you productize? Well, all right, let's, let's, let's go yeah. back before, before we go talk about the product, I want to talk more about like the issue. You, you obviously have done a ton of work on the space, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. Um, why does L and D just fall so flat as like the most boring, stodgy, yeah. it's like the most well-written about, but the most least implemented thing on the planet. I know. And there's, I mean, I also, we should caveat all of this was like, there's good people doing this work. Totally. So I always feel bad when it's like, L and D sucks. Cause if somebody's listening who does L and D, it's like, you don't suck, but no, 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 it doesn't suck. It's just, it's just like, it's just like, it's got this like stale. It's not effective. Like, it's just right. not effective. Right. So there's a couple reasons. One, it, it lacks a lot of context. Like there's, you can't train me on how to handle a situation because one, it's like, you don't know the people in the situation. You don't know the context of the situation. You don't know the history of that situation. So trying to like train people on how to handle situations and how to have like these philosophies is really difficult because it lacks context. The other thing is how we train. Most L&D is instructor-led, which means I'm listening to a person tell me how to do something. Maybe we have some interactivity, but again, that way of learning, you only retain maybe 10% of what you learn. Most people learn through experience. And so um, most companies don't also invest at scale. So there's the only the most senior level um, leaders get support, right? But like the people who actually need it are the people in the middle and and towards the bottom. So they don't get the support they need. They're the ones actually in execution. So it's a lot of things around, there's also so many different theories. So I might sign up for a coach somewhere and I'm being taught one theory and you're being taught another theory. And so then it's like, which one is works, which one is more important. So it just falls short. We did a, a, a just our own little survey and study of like a hundred high potential knowledge workers, like people at really great companies, all people leaders. We asked them how many, a hundred people, how many of you got any people management training before you got on the job? Zero. So it's like the way we identify who's ready to lead people versus who's ready to lead work. Those are two completely different jobs. Interesting. So, you know what I mean? So the people who tend to get promoted are people who are really high performing ICs. They're incredible at work. Right. But it's like, do you know how to lead work? lead people to do work. That's a different job. Um, tenure, I've been at the place for a long time, or I have really strong relationships. So because I might have better social skills than you do, I'm on the radar of people who are making the decisions. Um, you know, it's not super objective. So yeah, it's kind of like, it's kind of like HR is probably where marketing was like 50 years ago, where it's like marketing used to be like this one thing and like it included advertising, branding, performance, like all this other stuff. And now it's like all these segments are like, oh, well, you know, marketing's like five, five guys or gals, right? Now it's, you know, you can't possibly, and then now we, 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 we shove the accountant into HR, right? And, <laughs> you know, and then that's supposed to be the person that's in charge of people. And it's, it's really, the reason it's super detrimental. We just ran this program last week. Um, we call it best work of your life study group with like people who want to kind of figure out their next thing more intentionally. And when you hear the stories that people have experienced from their leaders, 
stories of bullying, harassment, uh, trauma. Like there's real shit that goes down in the workplace every day that we just deem like, well, it's just work. You just got to take it. And like the power (laughs) dynamics at play, Mm -hmm. it's real damage. And so we spend a good 60 to 70 percent. Americans spend a good 60 to 70 percent of their time at work. So whoever you're reporting into is as influential as the person you marry. Yeah. So it's like, we don't prepare our leaders like that. We don't prepare our leaders to say, you have somebody's professional well-being, emotional well-being, financial well-being, and spiritual well-being in your hands. You know, like, are you being mindful of that? And most people don't do that. So it's sometimes you get the rare good leader that you've had before that it's like, I've been lucky enough to have it. I would say probably 80 to 90% of people have never had a, uh, very successful people manager. Yeah, I agree with that. And I agree with the IC becoming like, because they are the, from a performance perspective, the most visual for attribution of like why things are moving forward. And yet they're not, they don't have those skills. Correct. Yeah. Um, so tell me about the product and tell me about the company today. Yeah. So where we are, uh, we just raised a pre-seed round, which... Listen, that shit, venture capital, finding money, asking people to money for money, being like, please give us money with no guarantee that you're going to get anything back. It's such a weird thing. Um, But we're super lucky and grateful because we have incredible investors. So, yeah, we have a co-founding team of three people. Um, Yeah, but don't, I mean, like how many, how many meetings did you have, Maya? I mean... We, I mean, we were really fortunate where we didn't have as many as I think most people did. Um, I think that you had a great fundraising story, but of course, like you, I mean, like, I mean, not to, not, not to, to put you on the platform to brag about yourself, but you do have a great, you do have a great background, right? Yeah. I think we, listen, we, there's a lot of things that converge. I think definitely, um, I've met a lot of people in the work that I've done. And so it was really helpful to connect with people and start to share what we were doing. I think also we're building something that's at the intersection of a lot of things that people are interested in. So future work is really hot, right? right? It's like, how are we, everybody understands there's something happening. There's a shift happening. So that was helpful. Um, But yeah, we have a co-founding team of three people, Lexi, Chris, and myself. Chris is incredible. His background is in security engineering. He was like a professional hacker. I met him at Clubhouse. Uh, He's been at Bird, Snap, a bunch of cool places. He's the son of like an IT professional and a a psychotherapist. So like he's technical and he's also very like highly emotional intelligent, which is amazing. Lexi is... um, I met her at Netflix. She's like a creative genius. So she's like head of vibes is what we call it. Just make sure everything feels really good. So copy, design, the brand, marketing, all that kind of stuff. And so where we are as a company is, you know, we put out an MVP last year, did like a really small beta to start to learn what people wanted. And what we found is like the way that you come to manual is you answer a series of questions. All manual is, is a bunch of questions about you. So you can answer those questions in your own words, or you can answer them in like assessment and quizzes. It spits out this profile. That's like everything about you. So, you know, if you know your Enneagram and your personality assessments, you can put those there. If you want to link to your Substack or your Twitter It's like your homepage of everything about you in your working life. Um, 
we just found that there's not really a place to house all of that. So mm-hmm. you put it all in a manual um, and then you can ask questions about yourself, about others. You can run compatibility reports with people to see how we might work together. Uh, it's, it's been really interesting. So we just relaunched in January last month, um, really targeted to people who are, are in transition, looking for their next thing. And so it's when you're looking for your next next thing, it's such a wonderful time to take a step back and start to think about what do I actually want in my next experience? Because you having a clear understanding of what you want, what your needs are, and how you best work, you can do a much better evaluation process for the opportunities you're looking for. So one of the problems is we're all hopping around from job to job being like, is this my place? Is this my place? Do I fit here? And, you know, we're hoping that manual is a place where it gives you some clarity on that and you can start to better understand what's actually best for you in your next uh, experience, work experience. So what are you excited for, for the next year? Like what's the, what's the initiative now that you got some money in the bank? Now we've got some money that we're hiring. So we're hiring uh, engineers, which is great. What I'm excited about is I've spent the last year doing fundraising and like the business formation part of manual, which has been great. And it's helped build a new muscle for me that, you know, I never saw myself being an entrepreneur. And so that's been really fascinating. This is where we get to be with the people, right? So we doubled our users in January, which is crazy. Like we had a certain amount of users up until last year in January, we doubled that, which is great. So we're getting a lot of signups and we're just learning from people, right? Like who are the people who are attracted to the platform? Who's getting all the way through the flow? Who's sharing their manuals? Where are they sharing it? What are they talking about? Um, and just talking to users as much as possible to understand how we can continue to build into their needs. So one of the things I'm excited about is we're going to be building connections. So the ability to actually like add people to your manual and have started to put people in groups. You know, one of the things that we feel like is an opportunity for us is if you think about LinkedIn, LinkedIn was really created to be the next evolution of like a business card. That was the intention. Mm -hmm. And how it started. And it's like, it's very good at that. It's very good at here's a living, breathing place that talks about what I've done and where I've been. And we feel like the next evolution of work is not just about what I've done and where I've been. It's about who I am and how I work. And so manual really is about the fuller picture of that. And for people who are like super innovative and creative and, you know, we're, we're people of multitudes and there's not really a place for us to express all of that, um, in an easy, understandable way for others. And so we think we're building this really cool, like community, like, you know, um, network of people where it's like, you can find people, collaborate with people, um, and discover people, you know, who have similar working styles and philosophies that you do. So if I'm a leader and I want to know more about my employees and I want to implement the manual program within my constituents, what's the best way to do it? Best way to do it, one, make your, make your manual, go to manual.me and make a manual first, right? And from the perspective of fill it out as a leader, as thoughtfully and as thoroughly as you can. And then what I would do as a leader is send it to my team and say, Hey, Right. Like you want to remove the, the, the power thing, right. As a leader. And so for you to say, Hey, here's a manual about how I like to work. I want to make it as easy as possible for you to understand me, navigate me, collaborate with me, ask questions about me. And I'd love to understand you, you as well and invite your team to manual. That's it. 
Okay. Have them make a manual. By example, don't give them extra work to do. Do it yourself. Do it right? yourself. Send it to your team. Invite them to do it. And then talk about it in your next one-on-one. Have a conversation. Be like, oh, I read in your manual that you have 17 kids and you're really busy in the mornings. Let's talk about it. I never knew that. <laughs> <laughs> there was actually a woman who has a man who, who said in her morning routine, she was like, I get my nine kids up. And it was like, you have nine children. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's important yeah. for people to know that you're not available in the morning. So yeah, it's stuff like that, right? Where it's, it's about accelerating understanding between people fast. And we've seen that when people share manuals, this is information that would take you years to understand about something. Because we just don't always know the right questions to ask and to to get to the heart of the matter. So, yeah, if you're a leader, sign up, send it to your team, ask them to sign up, and then start talking about it in team meetings, one-on-ones, off-sites, and that's just a a great place to start. So what's it like? What was it like working for Oprah? Oh, she's the best. (laughs) I mean, just like hands down. No, she's the best. What made her so successful? Like, what was like... Um, Oh man, I I say to her often, she does not get credit for being a phenomenal CEO. She's an incredible CEO, leader, visionary, business savvy. Um, the thing that's made her so successful is that she has clarity on her purpose. She knows exactly what she's here to do, which is to help people always see like the highest, fullest expression. This is why I can repeat it over like 20 years right. later, I can still repeat it. And she, that's always been her core. And it's just evolved. It's like new expressions of that, right? So, okay, so now that's this is what we're doing in a talk show. How do we do this in a talk show? Now it's like, okay, we have a network. How do you do the same mission expressed in a network? Okay, now how do I do this in the roles I'm going to play? How do I make sure I'm choosing roles that like everything adds up to the bigger mission, which is why she's been able to be relevant. I mean, think about how long she's she was just at the Grammys, Right. Introducing Tina, like the Tina Turner tribute, the color purple is nominated again. Like I know years later, like I don't know anybody who has the endurance that she has, but I think that's because she's got so much clarity on who she is. Was she like a 40 year career or something as of right now? Like, yeah, I mean, she started, I mean, she started the Oprah show in 1986. That's an unbelievable. I was born in 1985. I'm 30, not 30, oh my yeah, God, 38, so 30, 38 year career. Yeah. She's great. She looks amazing. She's like better than ever. So, I mean, a lot of what is infused in manual are principles from that time. So things like, um, like when we were transitioning from the show, there's, like I mean, there's gotta be like a market need, right? Like, I think that like, it's like, there was probably a dearth of lack of that right back in 86. Right. And now it's, you know, kind of yeah. like clubhouse. There was a dearth of, there was market pull, right? market pull, market. And, pull. and like, whatever that was, that, that yeah. magic that was able to catch, you know, yeah. hopefully manual's going to have that too. No, I think so. I think so. I think we're there's a moment right now where everybody um we're we're reimagining our relationship with work and we're also reimagining how we work. And in both of those scenarios, we need tools to help us figure out this transition. And so like, yeah, we're hoping manual can be that. Awesome. Awesome. Maya, you are amazing. Thank you, Thank you. so much. Thank you so much. This is so fun. Coming on. Um, 
I can't wait to follow up on your journey when you. Yeah. No, thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me to, to talk about it a little bit. Awesome. Everybody, thank you for another episode of the Capital Stack. If you like it, please subscribe, tell a friend, and we'll see you next week. We drop an episode every Tuesday. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Capital Stack Podcast. Make sure to share this with someone you know that can benefit from this content. Remember to support this show by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. David Paul is the founder and general partner at DWP Capital. All opinions expressed by David and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of DWP Capital. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. David and guests may maintain positions in the securities discussed on this podcast.